You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to two places. We're going to have all kinds of scripture verses that we're talking about, but there's going to be two primary places that we want to talk about today. Uh, Turn to the book of Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, as well as James chapter 2. Just stick your finger over in James chapter 2 as we continue in our series entitled Unstuck. Unstuck. Um, Over the course of the last few weeks, we've realized that it is very easy in life to become stuck, right? We can become stuck unintentionally. We can become stuck just because life has a way of causing us to be stuck. But the reality is God has called each and every single one of us to become unstuck. And why is that? It's because he has a plan and a purpose and a direction for your life. And because he has that plan, purpose, and direction for your life, he is not going to allow you to remain stuck. God has two things that he wants to accomplish big time in your life. The first thing he wants to accomplish is for you to be able to live a life of freedom. And he has also called us to be effective for the kingdom of God. He's called you to live a life of freedom and a life of kingdom effectiveness. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about things that cause us to become stuck, that hold us back from those two things that God has for us. We talked about the very first week, how sometimes we can become stuck in our resistance to change. Change is not something that most people readily embrace and desire to have in their life. In fact, I was just talking to a couple after our first service who's going through this season of change, and they're telling me, Jeremy, it just feels like an unending roller coaster. I just want things to get stable. We kind of feel stuck until the next season in our life. How many of you know? that we can sometimes feel just that way. We're on the in-between seasons of life. Change is coming, and so we feel stuck in the moment, and we don't know what to do. God has called us to live a life of freedom from the bondage of worry about change. But just real quick so that you know you're not alone in here, how many of you just love change? Raise your hand. I'm not talking about change in people's pockets. I'm talking about change in life. How many of you love change? Raise your hand. How many of you can't stand change? You love stability. How many of you have no idea what the question was? <laughs> okay. Okay. We all, most of us, are, and this is, happens every single service, every single campus I've noticed, is that everybody, the majority at least, really is resistant to change. But God's called us to not get stuck in change. Then the week after that, we talked about how God has called us to live a life free of legalism. I love the fact that Jesus came and he gave us life. And he says, I've come to give you life and life to the what? To the full, overflowing, full life. And yet why is it sometimes that you and I, in our weird need to try to prove ourselves holy, to try to prove ourselves righteous, add rules and regulations to our life that God never intended? And so we live with this bondage and this baggage of guilt and legalism. And and, and God doesn't want us to get stuck in that. He has set us free. What a great word that is, that he has set us free. And then last week we talked about another area in which we can become stuck in. It was an area in which I got several emails and several phone calls about 
as the week went on. And that's sometimes how we can get stuck in our past. Each of us can look in the rearview mirror of life. And we can point out things that the enemy would love to use to cause you shame. The enemy would love to use to cause you guilt. But like Marty was saying earlier during communion, he has paid it all. That Jesus paid it all. It's done. It's forever, forever washed away. As far as the east is from the west, the Bible tells us. But we can become stuck in our past. Not just our past sins, but we can be stuck in our past hurts, our past wounds. And it keeps us from moving in the direction that God has for us. So as a way to really quickly see if in any way, shape, or form you might be dealing with a little bit of stuckedness this morning. Is that even a word? I just made it up. It is now a word. Stuckedness. If you are in, if you're stucked at all, what I want you to do is get out your pen, get out your notes, and we're going to take a pop quiz. <laughs> we got some students in here saying, it is Sunday, sir. We ain't doing it. Try that. I want you to do this, though. It's three possible answers, okay? It's either going to be never, sometimes, or always. Never, sometimes, or always. And I want you to keep track of your score, not your husband's score, your score, okay? Here we go. Question number one. I am looking for God opportunities. I am looking for God opportunities. What that means is, there are you actively looking for opportunities to walk into the kingdom effectiveness that God has for you? I am looking for God opportunities. Never, sometimes, or always. Okay. Number two, I am intentionally pursuing spiritual growth. I am intentionally pursuing spiritual growth. Number three, I am looking for opportunities to serve others. Number three, I'm looking for opportunities to serve others. Number four, I am willing to embrace change. Don't lie, I saw your hands earlier. Some of you are not willing, like sometimes me, I'm not willing to embrace change. Number five, I am willing to embrace uncertainty. I am willing to embrace uncertainty. All right, now you're going to add up your points. One is for, uh, you get a one point for never, three for sometimes, five for always. Add up your points. Write your name at the top of it, and Lisa will pick it up, and we'll be contacting you this week. <laughs> no, you don't, have to do that. you don't have to do that. But if you did score a 25, you will be taking my job. So you'll be here next week, Sunday, instead of me. Um, because I know this in my life, that there's often times where um, I can find myself stuck in some of these questions. And I'm not always looking for those God opportunities, or I'm not always embracing change. And, and so knowing myself and knowing how I can become stuck in my life. How many of you would agree with me? It is crucial that we be a people who are constantly willing to look underneath the hood. That we are constantly willing to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us about areas that He wants to bring us freedom and kingdom effectiveness in. Um, one of the things that I... Uh, honestly uh, feel this time of the year, and I don't even know if it's a subconscious thing or not, it just tends to happen. Around this time of the year, every year, I get the itch to go on a cruise. Like, uh, cruise. How many of you guys have ever done a cruise on a boat? How many, of you, how many of you have not yet done that? You still have not yet done that? How many of you need to gain 10 pounds in four days, five nights? Because you can... <laughs> 
I, uh, I, I, we've always done it this time of the year, though, and I don't know, you know, necessarily why it's always falling out on this time of the year, but I know it's been because uh, my wife and I, we went there on our one-on-one on our honeymoon. It was this time of the year, and 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 one year we took our kids on a on a cruise for Christmas. That was a Christmas present. And so something about this time of the year always gets me itching to go on a cruise, and it's it, it's fascinating when you go on a cruise because you meet so many different people from so many different walks of life. And and as you get to meet these people, sometimes the things that they say and the things that they do just kind of make you go, huh? You ever met somebody like that? You're, 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 and, he, and, and he's like, what? Right? We met a few of them. And, and this is what made us go, what? There were individuals that as we would go for this cruise and we would stop at ports, these different islands, they would stay on the boat. They wouldn't get off the boat. And we talked to them later on. We'd be like, wow, wasn't that an amazing island? Wasn't that beautiful? They'd be like, no, we never got off the boat. And I say, but that's the point. The point of this whole journey is for us to go see these islands, right? But you stayed on the boat. Why? And you know what their answer was? Nine times out of ten? Because it's so comfortable. It's so comfortable. The reality of what happened is they become so seduced by comfort, they missed the point of the journey. They became so comfortable that they missed the point of the journey. And this morning, as we talk about this last unstuck area, we're going to talk about some things that aren't going to feel good. Just go ahead and look at the person next to you and man, just say, man, I'm so glad I'm here to not feel good. Go ahead and do that. <laughs> this is what I signed up for. But I want to challenge us in our comfort this morning. And I want to ask you this question. Has your comfort allowed you to lose sight of the point of your journey? When we look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 14... We're going to read some really shocking words. That if you're not bothered by these words, if it, if it doesn't challenge you, I would challenge you to read it again. Because Jesus is going to address some things in our life, and then James, the Holy Spirit, is going to address some things in our life that, that really keep us back from all that God has for us. We need to understand that comfort is something that is so ingrained in our society, isn't it? You know what kind of food we like? Comfort food, right? We love cars that are built for what? For comfort. When I stay at a hotel, you know what hotel I stay at? Comfort in. I like comfortable chairs in my house. In fact, I go beyond just having a comfortable chair. I like lazy boys. And there's nothing, I want you, what I want you to hear in this, please. Please hear this those creature comforts that we have at home, there's nothing inherently evil about them, okay? They're not, they're not bad. But when my comfort causes me to become numb to the destination that God has for me, I've got a problem. When my comfort causes me, and forgive my old Pink Floyd reference, to become comfortably numb, <laughs> I got an issue. I got an issue. 
And while people have historically chosen pleasure over pain, the modern era is an outlier in human history. We don't just enjoy our creature comforts, we're addicted to them. In your notes, write this down. Comfort is not bad until the desire for safety and security becomes the dominant theme of our lives. When a relaxation mentality supplants our attentiveness to God's call, we become stuck. And Jesus, in Revelation chapter 3, speaks to an entire church who's become just too comfortable. Listen to what he says in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. And I wish you were one or the other. What Jesus is saying to these people is you have forgotten your destination. You have forgotten that I have called you to freedom, yet kingdom effectiveness. That there is a point to your existence that goes beyond just your ability to be comfortable. From the moment you were thought of, that by the, from the moment that God saw you and loved you and created you, he then put destiny into you. And that destiny was to be used by him. A, to worship him, to be in a love relationship with him, but then to do something with it. To move beyond clocking in and clocking out on a Sunday morning. To move beyond being numb in your religiosity. To go beyond being numb in your comfort, but to create for yourself opportunities in which the Holy Spirit can use you to reach a dying world. God has called you to be hot. And he says, because you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spew you. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Sobering words. Those words should come as a sober reminder that God has called us to a passionate, not a lukewarm relationship with him. And the church in Laodicea would have known precisely the imagery in what God was, or what the Holy Spirit was speaking at that time, because just a, a few miles from there, six miles, there, were, there was a city called Hierapolis, and they were known for their hot springs. And just a few miles to the other direction was Colossae, where we read the book of Colossians. And in Colossae, there, there were these cold springs. So six miles one way, you had these great hot springs. In the other direction, you had these cold springs. But, but, but Laodicea was known to have this, this tepid, almost putrid, undrinkable water. And Jesus is saying with that word picture, this is you. You're not hot. You're not cold. I can't drink you. And I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Do you know who he's writing to? It's a church, people. He's writing to a church. The, the, who knows? We, we don't know this historically, but, but we probably take a good guess. They probably met a lot. Probably hung out a lot. And yet they were missing the purpose of their lives. He goes on to say, 
You say I'm rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Uh, how important is it to be honestly self-aware? Here's a group of people that say, you, you, you say you're rich. You say you got it all. But you know what I see? That you're naked, pitiful, you're poor, you're blind. I, 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 let me tell you something right now. The individual with the most potential to see God's call fulfilled in their life is the individual who is brave enough to allow the Holy Spirit to show them precisely who they are. I don't want to become blind to what I see myself as. How many of you know we can, we can lie to ourselves? <laughs> I do it often. That's a nice haircut. Lie. <laughs> oh, I, I, I look like I've lost weight. And then you get on the scale. Lie, right? We can lie to ourselves. The individual who is most positioned to be used by God in the most effective way is the individual who says, Holy Spirit, you tell me who I am. Not who I say I am. And here's this church. They thought they had it all together. And, and the Holy Spirit is saying, you're blind. And goes on to say in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from the, the, from the gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see me. Again, he's speaking their language. This church was a very rich church. And it was known for three things in that area. It was known for its great wealth. It was known for its textile, its clothing industry. And it was also known for an eye ointment that they would wear. So in these three areas, the Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart. <laughs> you think you're wealthy, but you're not you got to get some clothes and clothe yourself. And you got to get some salve for your eyes. Speaking their language, he is trying to paint a picture that will grip their heart. To grip their heart and to change. Why? Verse 19. Those whom I love. Read this with me. So be earnest and repent. Those that I love, I rebuke, and I discipline them. Have you ever had to talk uh, straight to your kids before? Some of your kids are awesome. <laughs> You've never had it. How many of you have ever had somebody have to talk straight to you? Stings a little, doesn't it? Doesn't it sting just a bit? I, I, I know there's times where I've had to say very blunt things to my children. I've even had to discipline my children. How many of you have ever disciplined your children and it seems like it hurts you more than them? Now, I'm not just talking when they're 16 and they can't drive for you anymore and when you take away their license. Um, I'm talking about it hurts to see them go through things. Why do you do it? You love them. You love them too much for them to continue to walk down a path that's going to lead to destruction. And your God loves you. He loves you so much that he will speak hard truth to you 
And what he would say to us this morning is don't play games. Don't play church. You know what comfort does? Comfort breeds cultural Christianity. Comfort, whether it's in our material things or whether it's in our routines, comfort breeds cultural Christianity. What's cultural Christianity? It is the most dangerous disease in the United States. Cultural Christianity says, all I got to do is show up on Sunday mornings and I'm good. All I have to do is put a little bit in the offering box from time to time and I'm good. Did you hear what the Holy Spirit said to the church in Laodicea? That's lukewarm. I've called you to be in a passionate love relationship with me. Love God, serve others. That our faith, in response to his grace, would move us to action. We would not be a people who clock in our spiritual time clocks and, and say, that's, that's it. I've done my little duty over here. No, cultural Christianity is a threat to the destiny that God has for your life. Move beyond it. Move beyond it. In fact, be more than that. Rebuke it. Who you are on a Sunday is who you need to be Monday through Saturday as well. Your desire and your fervency to worship God today and to help others should spread like wildfire wherever you go. James talks about that, doesn't he? James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And someone will probably say, you have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Tough stuff. Jeremy, can't you just get to the warm and fuzzies? The good parts? Don't, 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 don't forget, this is the warm and fuzzies. Because the bottom line, the foundation of all this, can't you hear the Holy Spirit saying, I love you? I love you. I am in no way, shape, or form trying to, and, and most of you that have been here at Grace Covenant for some time, you know, we, we don't preach condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? And yet at the same time, there's, there's times for wake-up calls. And I don't know about you, but I am so sick and tired of seeing what I see on the television set every single day. Division. Hatred. This world needs Jesus. This world needs Jesus. And so guess what this world needs? You. You. Because you are the ambassador of Jesus Christ. You are the Jesus that most people are going to see. So, so when we see a world that's 
gosh, you can't even watch football anymore, can you? I mean, it's everywhere. It permeates everything, every area of our life. You know what I see? I see hurt people hurting people. And they're hurting people because there's a wound inside them that hasn't been healed by the grace of God. And they're dying for Jesus. And who am I to sit in my comfortable little cocoon and pass by and not lift a finger to do anything about it? Faith without works is dead. But Jeremy, doesn't it say in Scripture also that it's by faith that you've been saved, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith and not by works, lest any man should boast? So is the Bible contradicting itself? No, no, it's not. It's not. When I've experienced God's grace and I add to it faith, the product of that is works. Let me say it again. When I experience God's grace and I put my faith into him, the product of that is that I want to do for him. I am compelled to want to do something for him. Married couples, remember when you were first dating? How many guys, forget the guys, ladies, how many remember never opening a car door? Okay, a couple of you did it right. (laughs) The rest of you must be really rich or something. I don't know. How many remember getting flowers for no reason? Guys, how many of you remember getting little love notes tucked away here and there? Who made you do that? Did you do that because you were obligated to? Or did you do that because you were head over heels? Somebody hearing me this morning? The things that that I want to do for God is not because there's an obligation, but because there's a compulsion. I am so moved by him. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I hate to to put people in different groups, but I have to at this moment. This is a question for only those that know Jesus Christ. Okay. Sorry, but I just need a moment with you. Do you remember... When Jesus first whispered your name to you. And do you remember the first time you realized, whoa, I'm loved by the King of Kings? Okay, open your eyes. Never lose that. Never lose that moment. Never lose that feeling. Never lose that memory. Let it be as fresh to you as it happened yesterday. Because I'll promise you this. If we do, we will never stay comfortable. Love is uncomfortable. Do you know that? (laughs) I remember being on the phone with Beverly for no reason, for hours. It was uncomfortable. I mean, it's like we, we, I'm a guy. My conversation lasts about two minutes on the phone. This is what I need. This is what you need. Okay, bye. Right? But when you're in love, I love you. No, I love you more. I want to smack him. 
is uncomfortable. And then the things that you do, right? You'd get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and just go do something crazy for them. Or that, 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 that's what love does. Love, love's uncomfortable. It causes you to do things that are not part of your routine. Let's love him again like that. Let's love him again like that. Okay. Write this down. I'm going to get you out of here. Number one. Number one. How do we get out of being stuck in our comfort? Or what, what, what I'm sorry. What can, what can being stuck in our comfort do to us? It can impede our spiritual growth. God is calling you to grow. Hebrews 6, 1 talks about leaving the things that are elementary, those things that we learned, and moving on to deeper things. It can impede our spiritual growth. Second thing is it can keep you from obedience. Being stuck in comfort can keep you from obedience. How many of you have ever woken up um, your kids in the morning, told them it's time for school, and, and, and they don't listen to you because they're so comfortable in their bed? How many wives have woken up in the morning and told your husband, go to work, but he's so comfortable in his bed? <laughs> comfort, can, comfort can mess with our obedience. Hey, let me ask you something. What if God told you to, to drop your job right now? Sell your home. Pull your kids out of school and go get in the mission field in South America. What would you do? Thank you, Lord, for speaking to Lisa is what you do know. <laughs> I'll, br- I'll, I'll bring that word to her, Lord. No, but, but, but seriously, okay, so that's like a mission trip. But, but what, what if young men, young men, young women in college, what if God told you don't go chase after that career that you've dreamt of for your whole life? I've got ministry for you instead. You see, our comfortable dreams, our comfortable worlds, our comfortable lives keep us from obedience. And when we're not walking obedience, we're not walking in the life which we've been meant to live. And you're never going to find satisfaction outside of obedience. You're never going to find satisfaction outside. Number three, what happens? It brings the loss of potential. Being stuck in comfort, it, it robs us of our potential. And every single one of you in here has potential. But potential... Absent of obedience is futility. Potential. Absent of obedience is futility. And it causes you a loss of purpose. Now, next to all of these notes, there's some scripture verses. And along with your devotion that you're going to be going into as a family this week, I encourage you to read some of these other scripture verses because you're going to learn some historical historical moments when people allowed comfort, allowed them to become stuck in comfort and how it robbed them so much. Things we want to do to be able to break out of the rut of comfort. Number one, remember that faith thrives in discomfort. Remember that faith thrives in discomfort. Number two, remember that the point of our lives is the fame of Jesus and not comfort. The point of your life is is the fame of Jesus and not your comfort. And remember that we are accountable to God for our lives. We are accountable. We will give an answer. We will give an answer. (laughs) There's a poet 
He's a theologian, an author, Soren Kierkegaard. He wrote this, he wrote this um, fable. It says, Once there was a town where only ducks live. Every Sunday the ducks waddled out of their houses and waddled down Main Street to their church. They waddled into the sanctuary and squat down in their proper pews. The duck choir would waddle in and take its place. Then the duck minister would come forward and open his duck Bible. And he would read to them, Ducks, God has given you wings. With wings you can fly. And with wings you can mount up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings and you can fly like birds. And all the ducks would shout, Amen. And then they would waddle home. <laughs> let's not waddle home. Let's, let's, with whatever we have to do, no matter who we have to talk to for accountability, no matter what we have to do, let's never be a people who come to Sundays to worship together, to hear his word and allow that to become a pep rally. And then Monday comes and we go back to our comfortable world, our comfortable routines. Listen, you were meant to fly. But you got to take that with you, right? Listen, our faith has to become action. What do you need to do to become a person of action? And whatever that is, dang it, do it. Do it. However radical, hard, uncomfortable, whatever it may be, do it. If not for your sake, then for his. And for this world's sake, be someone who puts action to your faith. Just you close your eyes this morning. So, take a moment, if you would, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. What would He say to you? Maybe this morning what you're hearing is the Holy Spirit saying, keep it up. I see you. I see your faith. I see the way you love. I see the way you serve. Keep it up. Don't lose that. Don't don't quit. I see you. And maybe some in here may hear the Holy Spirit say, I love you. And those whom I love, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna convict you. Not condemn, but maybe convict. And I'm gonna challenge you to live your faith loudly, to be used by me, to stop compartmentalizing me, 
I don't want part of you. I want all of you. And I want, I want, to, I want to use you. Because there's a, there's a world that I love out there as much as I love you. And so, Father, this morning, what we all say together is simply this. Here we are. Use us. Oh, God, use us. And whatever, oh, this is going to be tough, but this is what we're going to agree on. Whatever you have to do to get us unstuck from being comfortable, Lord, we ask that you do it. It's a scary thing to ask, but God, we, we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. And so I pray for all my friends in here this morning, Lord God, that they would see with your eyes, Lord, how you want to use them in such powerful, incredible ways. And God, that they would be people of courage and faith who would stand up and be used by you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.